Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, fitness enthusiasts. Welcome back to another episode of the Redefining Fitness Podcast with Sass Factor Fitness. I'm your host, Sin Sass, a former competitive athlete turned fitness enthusiast and first responder. And I invite you to join me on a journey to rediscover and become our most authentic fit self. Here, you can explore new ways to reduce chronic pain, increase energy and strength, and improve your overall well-being so you can look and feel your best inside and out. I am super excited to speak with our guest today, Dr. Veronica Zhao. I have been mini-stalking her and her team on Instagram, I have to admit, for about a year now, and I absolutely love, love, love her approach to fitness, healing, injury, recovery, and patient care. So we are in for a treat today. Dr. Zhao is a medical doctor who holds board certifications in internal medicine and sports medicine. While practicing sports medicine in the Bay Area for over 10 years, she has taken care of the complete range of patients from elite athletes as the associate team physician at UC Berkeley to underserved patients as a sports medicine specialist in Kaiser Richmond. Whatever the population, she strives to empower patients to recover through empathy, education, and partnership. Through medical anthropology courses as an undergraduate at Harvard, Dr. Zhao developed an appreciation for the ways that social, cultural, and biological forces influence health and illness. She studied and experienced how the ways we move, think, and feel are interconnected. Following medical school at Case Western Reserve University, Dr. Zhao selected a residency program in internal medicine at New York Presbyterian Cornell because it encompassed a comprehensive view of adult health and illness in one of the busiest and most diverse places in the country. Throughout the training, she gravitated towards the idea of exercise as medicine and felt most successful with patients who needed help in returning to or maintaining an active lifestyle. This led her to pursue advanced fellowship training in sports medicine at the University of Connecticut. She is an avid exerciser who enjoys various activities, including dancing, basketball, running, rollerblading, and weightlifting. And her most challenging activity is parenting two high-energy kids. <laughs> Welcome to Redefining Fitness, Dr. Zhao. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I'm honored. Yeah, I'm so excited to speak with you today. So we've learned a little bit about your education and professional history, but not so much your personal history or experiences with sports. So I wanted to kind of start off there, if you don't mind. And I understand you played lacrosse and field hockey and then made the, the transition over into running. So how did that happen exactly? Yeah. Wow. So I started, I went to an all girls high school in Cleveland, Ohio, Shaker Heights, Ohio, to be specific. And it was a very small school. So my class only had 40 people in it. And there were only so many sports available, but field hockey and lacrosse were two of the most popular ones. And I played both of them. I think I was an okay athlete. I mean, I definitely wasn't the star or anything like that. I do remember just gaining confidence in my body's abilities through the sport. You know, I remember I started in middle school when you kind of don't know you can run you think running is a chore and every time we had training that you do in the summer right before the season starts to get your conditioning right you know we would like walk run it walk run it and and then i remember one day just going why are we walking i think we pretty much can run the whole thing and so and i i just remember that being su such an empowering moment it's like oh i can keep going i don't need to stop think about how much we run in a game right it was all mental right. And so 
at the end of my high school graduation, I never really considered playing sports in college. I, I don't think I even really thought about it being accessible. Nobody was recruiting me to play field hockey anywhere. <laughs> but I, when I got to college, that's when, when you're not playing a sport, suddenly you have to figure out how to get exercise, right? Mm -hmm. And that's when I started being more of an exerciser, you know, adult exerciser. I had a gym membership. I used to do a lot of step classes, which is, it's coming back. I'm trying to get a step class at Avid because I'm kind of obsessed with the step, step aerobic. Yeah, I've been seeing it pop up a lot of places again. I'm like, didn't we just have, we just had that a few decades back. It's yeah, it, it's, it's fun. It's like dancing on a step. So I started doing that. And then I remember just running is easy, right? You can just run out of your door. You don't need equipment. It's not an expensive sport. And one of the other girls in my dorm, she was on the track team. So she was really fast, right? And I remember we we're both from Cleveland. And so, you know, we tried to hang out together. And I remember being like, oh, I guess I'll go for a run with you, but I'm super intimidated. And then I realized, oh, she's track. So she can only run so far and then she gets tired. <laughs> Or, you know, that was me. <laughs> I was that person when you were talking about lacrosse and field hockey and, 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 you know, run walking those, those, uh, those warmups. Right. Mm -hmm. And I remember being in high school and I ran track and I played basketball and I absolutely hated training. And so when we were at track and they were like, run two laps around the, the, the track, I was like, aren't we going to run for for practice, that's not a warm up. That's that's practice, and so I I could not get my mind wrapped around it. And I actually had a little bit of a similar experience as you. Um, it came in my adult years as well. After I had suffered an injury and wasn't able to play basketball so much anymore, mm -hmm. and I was looking for a way to keep active because my body was craving it. And I absolutely was like, you know what? Maybe I can just keep going because I I would power athlete it. And after right. a couple of hundred yards, I would poop out. And so I was like, okay, well, maybe that's not how you do it. It took a lot of training to transition from a power right. athlete into an endurance athlete. But yeah, I understand that. Yeah. So it was, it, that was kind of a fun moment. I was like, well, maybe I can keep going. I'm, I'm not like a terrible runner. I can do it. And I sort of just did it passively through college. I didn't play any club sports, but I was just, you know, always at the gym or out going for a run. And then fast forward to, you know, you get through your medical training and then finally landed. Now it's been 14 years I've been out in the Bay Area practicing. And I think it's really challenging as an adult. And I see this in our patients to stay active in a way that interests them. Like, right. you know, people sort of get stuck where they think all they can do is ride the elliptical. And then that, no offense if you like the elliptical, but it gets boring, you know. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I, I burn out on that. And so you have to keep yourself engaged in exercise. And I think part of that is finding new things to do. Now, as a sports medicine doctor, I will say, we don't want people to just go randomly try things without being prepared. But there is something really special about learning a new skill or trying something new. You do gain confidence in your body. You, you know, as long as you're varying the different things you do, you're going to, that's going to help you have a balanced strength and mobility. Cause you know, if you just run all the time 
I know the runners don't like to hear this, but if you just run all the time, you're going to eventually it's going to catch up to you or you're going to get overuse or, you know, so balance is really key. So when I moved out here, I was doing a little bit of everything. I was like skating, trying to learn how to skateboard, swimming, which I learned as a resident actually in New York. And I was always just looking for something new. And then as I entered my 40s, I started dancing, which became something that I ended up just loving. And now it's, you know, part of what we do here at Avid. And I also started taking a basketball class. So it's called Never Too Late. Love it. Um, and because I had no basketball background whatsoever, but my then, I don't know, maybe my son was like four or five and he was getting into basketball. It's like, well, he's quickly going to become better than me. I need some sort of skills. So I took this class and it ended up being really fun. All ages, all ages. I mean, I think there was like 20 year olds to 80 year olds. Wow. Um, and just learning a new skill is really fun. So I always use that story just as hopeful for my patient. Like you can try new things, you know? Right. Yeah. I, I, I think it's amazing to be able to, I mean, Cross-training, I think, was the term that became super in vogue, I, I guess, in the, what, 90s, right? Because people were just literally doing one thing. I love the idea of cross-training. I'm one of those people, I'm kind of a multi-passionate, and I like to dip into a lot of different things. And I do have my mainstays, my go-to exercises. I, I think the question, though, I, I have is that when we are otherwise healthy, the idea of doing things that are different is exciting. But when we are hurt and we're not able to do the things that we enjoy or that are our go-to activities and movements that we do to keep our mental health kind of in check, we don't want to hear that we, we have to do something different. It's like we have a mental block around the idea that we were doing different things before, but now because we can't do this one thing, we're kind of vapor locked on the thing that we can't do. So what are some of the things that you talk to people about and try to help your clients and your patients with when they're kind of stuck in what might be a temporary, you can't do this, to, to, to try to look at some other avenues of getting some movement in? Yeah. Well, I've tried very hard not to use that phrase, just don't do that anymore, or, you know, stop your sport completely. And of course, there are times when that is necessary, but... I think it's way less frequent than gets used in the made most of the medical community. I think it's like an easy answer to sort of move people along and say, you know, it's kind of putting the blame on the patient almost. Mm -hmm. um, so when I talk to people about changing up either temporarily or permanently what they're doing, I like to think about it as, you know, you're going to gain more longevity in the activity that you want to be doing. You know, let's say that's yeah. running. If you don't run every single day and we give your body some, some balance, you're actually going to be able to do that sport for longer, or you're going to have less injuries, or you're going to feel better doing it. Right. Mm -hmm. And I think giving people options and helping them think out of the box is something that we do. Um, now, when someone's injured, you know, that's going to be part of their plan with us is what can you do? What things? And that's one of the reasons that we started the fitness. It's not typical, you know, that your doctor has a fitness program. 
But we wanted to give our patients, the ones that graduated, you know, from their rehab, just going through a rehab program and feeling better does not mean you're ready to go back to your sport. Right. And there's a gap there in a, a lot of the medical community. You know, it's like, well, you're done. You had your six to eight sessions. Good luck. And then a lot of people go back to the exact same thing they were doing. They get hurt again. They're discouraged. It's a terrible cycle. So part of starting the fitness was giving people either alternate activities to do while they're injured. And it also serves as a way to transition from injury back to sport. And I think when you start to brainstorm with people and think about, I say, this is an opportunity to find a new passion. What did you say? You're multi, multi <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> opportunity to try something new. You might like boxing or you might like swimming or you may find Pilates is amazing and it allows you to feel good and, and be able to do the things you want to do. So that's how I yeah. think. No, that's awesome. And, you know, honestly, it's so funny. That was actually specifically a question I had about the gap between being released, you know, back to normal activity when you're just kind of after those eight sessions, or maybe if you're lucky, you got an extra eight and you're at 16 because, you know, you really were having some struggles and some challenges, but that's not nearly enough for that, you're talking maybe that's going to be eight weeks. And with, we're talking about physiological change. You're looking at 12 or more weeks to see any kind of true change. And yeah. we just don't get that. And when you're talking about an injury, you're also further back. So yeah. now you have this person that's been released out into the fitness wild, so to speak, right? Yeah. With yeah. the idea of, I know what I do. I know what I can do. I know I'm not all the way there yet. But when they start, they don't come back as far as necessary to re to ensure that they don't re-injure themselves. They're usually further down the road on their journey than they're really, their body is really prepared for. And I love that you kind of stand in that gap there and say, hey, I can help you, you know, because they just told you to go back to normal activity. They didn't tell you how to get there because you're not literally there now. And, and so I love the fact that um, Avid Sports Medicine and, and your team there actually stands there and helps people get from point A to point B, because that's a huge, huge issue right now. And I think it's a place where a lot of people, especially as we age, we get re-injured. And then we start thinking that the reason that we're getting re-injured is because of our age and not the fact that we're disrespecting our body by not giving right. it the proper love during that that time. But we just don't know how because nobody has told us. Right. That's absolutely it. And I would say, in addition to having the fitness program, our athletic trainers do what we call performance training. So it's like the, to fill in those gaps so they can work one on one with people. If you have a goal that is to, you know, you're trying to do this race or trying to climb this mountain or you're, you know, you just want to be able to finish a a cycling event or something and we they'll customize a program for the patients and on the other end too sometimes people come to us they're not injured but they just don't want to be injured and that right. those are really special people actually i find and usually it's because maybe they've had some experience in the past and they're they know they have chronic back pain and they say i want to go back and be active again but i know that if i just go and just start doing things, I'm going to hurt myself again. And so our athletic trainers also work with people before they get back to activity, before they have an injury, you know, to help them figure out what they need. Right. And, and that's amazing as well, because I like to think of it now, I've gotten to the place, I believe, in my fitness journey where 
I look at the gym now as a place to go for intentional movement rather than like when I was young, like a lot of people, we went there, we threw up a bunch of weights. We, I don't know what we were doing, but you know, we called it working out, <laughs> you know, you, you had, you pushed a lot of weight and you were working out. And especially for the guys out there, man, it was, it was just a, a competition. But later on, you know, when you start having these issues with your movement patterns, when you start having issues because of aging or because of, you know, it, past injuries that you've had and, and maybe how your body has changed in terms of how it, it it's moving now, that those workouts in the gym can be used to help retrain your body to move properly. Like you're targeting areas so that you're activating certain muscles as opposed to going into the, the gym and just doing a bunch of stuff. Like maybe you go do the, you know, the inner outer thigh machine, the adductor abductors to actually start activating your glutes in a way so that when you're walking, you actually have a proper gait pattern as opposed to Maybe you have some issue in your hip that's causing you knee pain, but you've been focusing on your knee so much yes. that you haven't addressed your hip. Mm-hmm. And that's what I always say. You have to zoom out sometimes. You can't be so hyper-focused on the knee or the neck or the whatever it is. Right. Right. So I, I love that you that you do that there. And so I want to back up a minute to um, your time at Cal. So you were a collegiate team physician. Um, right at, at Cal. And I think another member of your team also was a fitness trainer for the football team at Cal. Yep. So what was your experience at Cal and how much of that experience are you bringing with you that's helped you to kind of formulate what you're doing there at, at Avid Sports Medicine? Yeah, a lot, actually. So, yeah, I worked with all the teams. My primary team was women's basketball, but worked on all the teams. I met Julieta, who's our head athletic trainer. We met on the sidelines of football games and what I love about that model is that it's all hands on deck for the athletes and they really have a team based approach. So, you know, collegiate athletes, they have it pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> they don't realize it at the time because they've not had to deal with the healthcare system for the most part. But everyone's coming to them and working together to get them better. And is it always perfect? No, but that was really my model when I was thinking about starting AVID. What always dissatisfied me in my other jobs was often I see somebody 15 minutes and then say, well, go to this other office or go do this other thing or try this. And it felt very piecemeal where Mm -hmm. I wanted to create a place where people could come it sounds very basic, but starting getting a diagnosis and starting treatment on the same day often does not happen in, in the sports medicine orthopedic world. And that was really my passion. So and also having other partners that could come in based on what the patient needs. So right now, the way a, a new patient works is the athletic trainer and I were in the room together at the same time with the patient. We listen to their story, we do an exam, and then that zooming out. So I can do my hyper-focused like knee exam, make sure it's stable. And and then the athletic trainer is gonna zoom out and watch your body move. Maybe they'll have you run on the treadmill, maybe they'll have you walk, you squat, kind of see how did you get here? And everyone has a story. No two injuries are exactly the same, but there is a lot of similarity and we, have created sort of our best practice protocols that we can then, you know, customize for each patient. 
Um, and I love, I love being a part of, I learned so much from the athletic trainers. I, I, maybe one day I'll get my honorary degree. I don't know. <laughs> between, I love it. Between watching them do it with the patients and then being part of the fitness, I'm usually just the demonstrator and they're usually running the classes. And so I get to really, I've learned so much from them. But one of the things that's nice about it is in my other careers, my other jobs, I couldn't see what was happening to the patient along the road. So they'd go off into the land of therapy and then come back and see me months later. And sometimes it was, well, I had to wait two months to get in. And then when I went, I maybe didn't get the attention I was hoping for, or I got a handout. And now I'm back because I'm no better. So PT doesn't work is usually what they would their assessment would be. Mm -hmm. And now I'm, when the patients come back, I'm there. I maybe I only see them for a few minutes just to check in, but I'm watching the evolution of their recovery. And that helps me know what's working and not working and what I do. I do the procedures if they choose to get a procedure. And then the athletic trainer is working with them to say, okay, here's what you're going to do and not do after you just have this procedure. So I just love working together. It's amazing. Right. It seems like it's such an intuitive model, and yet it's not the model that's the standard in, in, in the medical industry right now. And, you know, a couple of things you said, you know, I played sports at Cal a long time ago. So like there wasn't a lot for women's athletics. And if you got an injury, like I had an injury and I was like, I'm done because at that time, even getting surgery, especially with the joint problems and ligament issues, they were trying to repair ligaments back then. And, and that's, we know that doesn't work. And so I, you know, I didn't want to have a a greater injury. So I kind of just bowed out. So the fact that now that there is so much more attention given to the athlete at that level, it is amazing. And, and I love the fact that you're bringing that level of attention to patients from just the elite level and bringing it to everybody because everybody deserves that, right? Everybody should have that attention and it shouldn't be, oh, oh you're not competing, you're not playing professional, whatever, then you don't really need the training or the or the, the recovery. It's like, I don't understand why the mentality is, is that way. That's my mantra. Everybody's an athlete. Absol- absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And I know from my own experience, you know, as you were saying with the hyper focus and that you guys work together to have a, a, a multidisciplined approach. So one person might be hyper focused, but somebody else is looking at other things to see what's playing into it. And, you know, in the care that I've received, even as an athlete and then later on as a fitness enthusiast, oftentimes, especially when it's a work injury, they're looking at the body part only. And they're treating the body part only and they're not treating the 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 body as a as a whole machine and you often see people who are now going back to work as first responders right we're going back to work and we're still hurt and we're out there doing a lot of things that are that are adding more to the way our body's functioning especially with the gear that a lot of us have to wear and and so now you have an issue where just when you're in static posture when you're just standing there your posture's already off and then now through the range of movement, it's, it's off, which means your body is working suboptimally, which means it's setting it up for an injury. And then when that happens, they focus on the piece that got injured and that's it, knowing that there's a whole chain of events that probably happened. Yeah. So I get, have you ever had any first responders as, as patients yeah. there? Are there trends that you tend to see with 
the types of issues, the challenges that they're experiencing when trying to recover from injuries? Well, yeah, I mean, they're mostly overuse injuries that we've seen. And the challenging thing is the insurance, right? So a lot of them have to go within their occupational health realm first. So they're coming to us maybe specifically for a certain procedure or a certain thing that they've been allowed to get through their their occupational health insurance. But I think the challenges that they, you know, depending on what their profession is, is balancing the need to have to go back to work with the injury. And I'm not able to t- say, oh, you can't go to work, right? Because that has to come from their occupational health person. I can make some recommendations, but generally that can be really challenging. And then almost all of them want to work. It's not a motivational thing at all, but it's what are they going to do? What what do they need to do now so that they actually have longevity in their career? And the motivations for them might be different than, you know, their employer. And it's, it's very complicated. But, you know, I have some benefit of being on the outside of their employer and saying, well, we're just going to give you treatment and recommendations based on how we would treat anyone. And helping you get back to what you want to do is, you know, you're as first responder, you're doing things that are way out of the scope of the average person's day or even exercise routine. So really working with them to break down what are the movements they need to, to be able to perform, what kind of load do they have to have, you know, lifting, pushing, pulling, it's very different. Right. Now, yeah, absolutely. And and you're right. <laughs> As you were speaking, I was thinking anecdotally about the people I've dealt with. And, and whenever any, you know, people in general, we have injuries, we talk about them. And then as you're talking, there will generally be one, two, three people who are like, oh, that happened to me too. Right. And in the world of first responders, as people are talking about their injuries that they've had, the difference that I've seen is exactly what you're talking about, about people coming back to work probably mm-hmm. sooner than they should. I had ACL reconstruction on both knees and metastectomy. And as I was recovering in between the two surgeries, I talked to a lot of people and I'll say 80% of them were like, oh yeah, I came back to work well before I was ready to come. And I was like, why would you do that? And they were like, well, I had to. And I understood what they were saying emotionally and intellectually, but I was like, but that's not, it's not right. Mm -hmm. And one person actually told me that after they had ACL surgery, that they came back after six weeks. And I said, you mean six months? And they said, no, six weeks. And I said, what are you talking about? I said, how did you do anything you were supposed to do? And they said, I really hoped that I didn't have to show up at something that was incredibly physically demanding. And I got lucky and I didn't. So Mm -hmm. they were able to kind of rehab their injury on the job. And so I, you know, I think about that and, 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 you know, in this community, you know, there's first responders and, and just fitness enthusiasts who are dealing with various levels of challenges with regard to regaining fitness and recovery. But that's a challenge I think that I I have witnessed and I'm seeing that you've also witnessed in uh, recovery for first responders of trying to get back to activities far sooner than Mm -hmm. people who are just excited about getting back to their hiking or their swimming or whatever it is that they're not supposed to be doing. First responders are on a whole other level of coming back (laughs) too soon. Yeah, it's yeah, it's really six weeks. Wow. 
Yeah, I, I still that blows my mind that, that I heard that story like it, it's now been 13 years that I heard that story ago, but it sticks with me because I looked and I thought, how is that even humanly possible? But I, I still like the fact there's still an option because back in the day, there wasn't even an option. If you did something like that, you know, maybe it wasn't a work injury. You hurt yourself off work, but now you can't you don't have enough time. Mm-hmm. You know, at least you have a place where you can go and 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 have somebody say, "Hey, what's the in, what is the thing activity you're trying to get back to, and how can we work with you to get back to that activity?" Obviously, in a reasonable timeline, but right. but before there wasn't even that; it was literally just the doctor. So, which re- which brings me to another question. I know that you your journey to being a sports medicine physician wasn't traditional and it wasn't a straight line. So could you tell us a little bit about how you ended up in sports medicine? Yeah, well, my whole journey to medicine wasn't a straight line. I sort of started out in college as pre-med and I I got through it, it's hard. I did anthropology as a major, which I'm really grateful that somehow my 18 year old wisdom was like, do something else on the side, you know? Uh, because it really, like you read my bio, I feel like it enriched my understanding of health and, and disease. But I took a couple of years off after college and I worked right then the tech tech was really starting to boom. So I worked for a tech company and eventually decided to go back to medicine. And when I was doing my residency, I was pretty sure I was going to be a cardiologist. Just that was what appealed to me and I did a lot of cardiology research and I felt like that was my path, but there was always part of me that just felt like I was seeing the people before, you know, when it was almost too late to intervene, you know, Mm -hmm. intervene in the very uh, traditional medical sense with medicines and procedures and, and things like that. But I, I started to think like, what is it that I really love and what is it that I want to share? And it was, my passion for movement and exercise and and keeping people healthy, maybe avoiding getting to the cardiologist's office or ending up in the CCU. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I didn't know anything about sports medicine. I just, I think I had that epiphany on an elliptical in a gym. (laughs) And I was like, well, how can I make these things come together? And I started doing some research and that's how I found out about sports medicine, which was not traditionally something that internist went into. Um, it's I'm not an orthopedic surgeon, and that is often confusing to people because they think that all of sports medicine comes from orthopedics. And some of it does, and orthopedic surgeons are very important, but 99% of injuries don't need surgery. Mm-hmm. So there, and most surgeons want to do surgery, you know, so there's a whole field of medicine that's there to encompass the people who need non-surgical options or even if they've had surgery it's like what's the transition back and so i found i started just shadowing a sports medicine physician that was in the hospital next to us in residency and i started covering races in central park so there every weekend there's at least one race in central park so i got hooked up with the medical team and i started going to those and being the medical staff. And I loved it. I was like, oh, this is exactly what I want to do. And I, I love that sports medicine has, you know, 
the exam portion. So there's something hands on and then there are procedures that we can do. And then there are, you know, how it integrates with rehabilitation. And really, I think sports medicine is the medicine that we all need, right? right. To be mm-hmm. healthy and happy because we all have to move in some way. And unfortunately, it doesn't have as much name recognition or understanding. I think it needs to be rebranded as movement medicine. Yes. And then that sports word doesn't trigger like, oh, I'm not an athlete or right. I'm not, you know, this isn't for me. So mm-hmm. we're going to try to rebrand it. You know, <laughs> I love that. I love that movement medicine. I've actually even been trying to retrain my talking and saying things like movement instead of exercise and workouts and things like that, because it does, it triggers you to think about something very specific. Mm -hmm. So I remember last year I was, I was in Mexico with my family for a wedding and I was having some real difficult struggles with pain and, and stuff. I, I, my injury was new at the time and I was um, struggling with some pain then, but we were going on a hike to the rooms and the next day into the sea notes. And I said, well, I want to go. My family was like, are you sure you're going to be able to go? And I said, well, yeah, I'm going to go to the gym and work out. And then, and they were like, why would you work out and then go? And I was like, well, define workout. And then right when I said that, they realized that I wasn't talking about what they were talking about. I knew that I was having pain in certain areas so that I was going to go and lengthen the areas that needed to be lengthened. And I was going to strengthen on, you know, I was going to do some activation stuff. I was going to do things, some yeah. prep work so that my body would be prepped for movement. They were thinking, I'm going to go to the gym and do squats and do deadlifts and whatever. And they were like, how are you going to be able to walk after that? And sure enough, that little bit that I did for a half an hour in the morning of just kind of prepping my body for for movement was made it so that I can make it through the day without having pain and so on. But I think that just being able to change our mindset around even the words that we're using and what it means to us to be in the gym or to do exercise. You know, one of my one of my big kind of pushes is that any kind of movement you're doing is good movement because your body doesn't know mm-hmm. that you're not in a special place in your special clothes doing the special movement, right? Or the special exercise. All it knows is that it did a push, a pull or, you know, right. or a squat. Right. Like so so if you like gardening, you're exercising. If you like to fish, you're probably hiking into your spot to do the fishing if you're not on a boat. So right. all the things that entailed you get into your spot and then climbing down something, usually you have to climb down some things and up. There's a And then the activity, the, actu- the actual activity of, of fishing and casting and, and reeling. There's so much around every type of activity that people like, but I've had you know battles with people who have been like, that's not exercise because they weren't in a gym. Right. And it, that is so beautiful. I love that you brought that up because- you used in that example movement as medicine you know you could have popped a bunch of advil and then done the hike no no (laughs) Um, it's really great that you use that and i think using movement as the prep the medicine the thing that gets people from point a to point b is the way to think about it I also think that people always assume like when you use the term exercise, it's got to be like a 45 to 60 minute interval where I'm sweating and, you know, huffing and puffing. Whereas I try to get people to see that small amounts of exercise are just as great for your body. There's, There's been research around that. 
you know? Amen. So you can do something for 10 minutes and that can be wonderful for you. You know, yeah. I keep some jump ropes in my car and, you know, I have kids and they do a lot of sports and, uh, or my son does a lot of soccer and I just get really antsy. I can't just sit there and watch, you know, I'm also thinking, look at this opportunity. All these parents could be doing something together. We should have a little exercise group while they're exercising, you know? So yeah. sometimes I would run laps during the practices or I would jump rope, you know, in the half times and I probably look a little nuts, but I think it's a good message to send that like, you can get it in. You don't have to, like you said, be in your special place and your special clothes and make it work for your schedule. Absolutely. I actually just did a um, some uh, content around microdosing workouts and that, you know, yeah, that like, yeah. And 10 minutes, 10 minute increments, because again, like if you're, if you're, if your barrier, especially for people who are time challenged, if your barrier is I can't get to the gym or if I can, I'm going to be sweating and I can't make my next appointment, then you you got to shift your mindset. And that might be that roll out of the bed in the in the morning and do some compression and stretching, do a little bit of sit ups, you know, do some do some minimal stuff, go get in the shower and then go to work. And while you're at work, because you're probably even as a first responder, we're hunched over our phones, our computers a lot. You're probably in suboptimal posture a lot. Stop mm -hmm. somewhere during the day and for 10 minutes, do some exercises right at your desk, right in your car, right in the rig, wherever, because you can. There was a guy at my job that used to do, people laughed at him because he would stop. And while you we were talking, he would just do air squats and they would laugh, but fantastic because that's what you should be doing, right? Yeah. To keep up your sports. And then when you get home, same thing. You just got 30 minutes of workout. Now, obviously, 30 minutes in a row that's more intentional is probably better. But if you can't get that in, those 10 minute doses over the day are better than men. Well, yeah. And some people think, well, I did my 30 to 45 minutes. Now I'm not moving the rest of the day. And one of my <laughs> favorite studies to quote is that 90 minutes of inactivity on a regular basis was uh increase your mortality rate significantly I wow forget. it's like two three or four times but it's not like you just you know binge on it and then you can sit the rest of the day like being static is actually the new smoking so you need to move and it doesn't have to be anything you know big it doesn't have to be something you know, where you're sweating and all out of breath, it, it can be simple, but you have to get the blood flowing in your body on a regular basis. And when you're injured, sometimes that's hard for people to, to really understand. It's like, you still need to be sending, yes, we want you to do your rehab exercises, but we also want you to figure out how you can move in other ways around those. And the rehab exercises, you know, they're not always fun. Sometimes they're kind of mind numbing. And so well, I try to convince people exactly so important though, <laughs> break them up into your day, do it between your zoom meetings, do it on your lunch break, like break them down so that you're integrating them into your day. You're not just sort of like clumping them all in one portion and then getting annoyed with it, you know? Yeah. 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 I, 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 it's funny that you were talking about how annoying they are because I know there was a time when I was like, oh, what is rehab? It's so dumb. And I actually have been asking people, I've been doing this like informal poll. I just walk around and I talk about 
you know, what I'm kind of leaning into in this season. And I asked them, how many of you have been injured? And a lot of people raised their hand. I said, who's ever been to PT? And a lot of them raised their hand. I said, who thinks PT is stupid? They all raised their hand. Maybe one or two people don't. And I said, I thought so too. And I talk about you're focused on, let's say, running again or lifting whatever you were lifting or swimming or whatever activity you were focused on before. But the way to get back there is that you have to remember that you were injured and your body stopped moving appropriately. It stopped moving the way that your body was designed to move. Mm -hmm. And it stopped doing it in ways that we don't really comprehend fully. And these PT exercises is not for us to move our fitness needle. It's not for us to get faster. It's not a performance mechanism. It's it's a movement mechanism. It's to retrain our body. Hey, you know how that hurt yesterday and you don't want to do it anymore? If you do it like this, it won't hurt anymore. And eventually your body goes, hey, that doesn't hurt. And your brain goes, hey, I, I actually like to do that. Let's do more of it. Mm -hmm. And then you can move appropriately. And then you can get to where you're starting to add performance mechanisms and performance exercise and performance loads but you can't get there without retraining your body to move appropriately. And people are like, how come nobody's ever, now that you say it that way. And I'm like, trust me, I had to, I had to learn it too. And, and, you know, in talking to you, it's not something also, right. It's not something that I think that the medical industry is really talking about from that perspective, not in mass, you know, it's more like, are you still hurt? No, then I'm, you're good. Go figure it out. Well, <laughs> yes. And that is exactly it. When people ask me, why does a rehab work? Like they're challenging me. I say, you're doing systematic stress on an area to change it, you know, and that's why you're doing it. It's not, it's not the same as weightlifting or bodybuilding necessarily. You're trying to retrain a lot of your body even, or I'd never say, oh, we're doing this because you're weak because most of the people are, they're not weak. It may just be an imbalance in some areas and say, we need to even it out. You know, you've done the same thing over and over. So your other muscles are kind of, they're offline. We just got to bring them back right. online. That's one thing. You've had so many good pearls. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yeah. I really like how you're thinking about rehab. There are people that come in and they also say, well, I already looked up all those exercises on YouTube. And I already know which ones, and I did them already. And I don't even care if you are the most knowledgeable person about fitness or health or whatever. You can't see yourself do an exercise and you don't know what things you're doing. Um, having another set of eyes, or even if it is a virtual product, having um, the having cues cues mm -hmm. as to how you're supposed to do the exercise because you know you can get a band and just start waving it around and it's <laughs> very different than knowing how to engage the certain muscles how to do it in a way that's actually therapeutic so that's my little soapbox absolutely no i agree 100 percent because if you're if you're not engaging the muscles that you're trying to engage in the first place then what are you what are you really doing it isn't working and it's not going to work and you're it's a self-fulfilling prophecy at that point but it's like, I think the education is important to give to people so that, you know, we understand precisely what physical therapy is supposed, is designed for. It's not designed for what we think it's designed for. It's really just designed to help us get prepared 
for the movement that we're going to do later. And we think that that physical therapy is going to cure our injury. And right. that's not what it does at all. And it took me a long time, a lot of trial and en- error, a lot of re-injury, uh, you know, to 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 find that out for myself. And 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 that's one of the reasons why I'm doing what I'm doing now is because I want to share that with as many people as possible. Because there's so many of us out there that are stuck right now, and that we're in these dysfunctional training patterns of moving, doing too much, getting hurt, experiencing pain, stopping altogether doing nothing for months, being mad and demoralized, and then starting over. And we're just in this circle, this cycle that we need to get off. We need to get off that crazy train and and start being more intentional. But how do we do that? So it's one of the reasons why I'm so excited about what you're doing at Avid, because it's different in a lot of ways. Um, and, and it really speaks to that issue of the how. So with that in mind, how do people get involved with Avid? What does that process look like? Oh, yeah, multiple ways to come in, but really we're open to everybody age eight to 88. I like to say, although we had a 95 year old last week, so I need to that out. He was playing pickleball. I love it. (laughs) Everyone's an athlete. So if you, you don't need a referral necessarily, you can call. I do a free consult call with people. So if you're not sure if we're right for you, you can go on our website, book a free consult call. We'll chat for 10 minutes and I will tell you honestly whether I think we're a good fit or not. And then there's also people can direct book themselves, but calling, you know, emailing, website, those are all ways. And one of the things that I'm passionate about is not having a, a cookie cutter response. That doesn't mean we don't have protocols or or things that we use. And actually, one of the things that we're working really hard on is I love having this clinic and being able to help people, but I want to be able to help more people. And so, you know, take this model to other people that need it outside of the Bay Area or outside of California. So we're working on more of a virtual product that will help us, you know, take our secret sauce and put it into something that we could reach more people with. That's and awesome. That's yeah, because everybody, everybody needs to know about this. Anybody can take the fitness classes. There's no, you don't need to be a patient. Um, mm-hmm. So that's sometimes a fun way to just try out what we're doing. Awesome. And those are the fitness classes. Are they offered multiple times a week or night yeah. times, daytime? We have about 10 classes a week, seven to 10 classes a week. They're in the morning and the afternoons. They're also hybrid, so you don't you can be online or in the space with us, and they're on demand. So if you just want to awesome. check out and do a workout, don't laugh at me, you know. <laughs> no, that's part of the fun. We like you said at the beginning, we really do like to have fun, and I think you can have fun at your doctor's office or your fitness. It doesn't have to be so serious all the time, yeah. um, and that helps people feel more comfortable. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. One of the things I always say is that we think of the journey as this chore that we have to do to get to the destination, which will bring us joy, but the journey should be joyful as well. I love that. Yeah. 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 So we're coming to the end. I want to be respectful of your time. And here in the Redefining Fitness community, we challenge some standard approaches to regaining and sustaining fitness. And so with that in mind, I wanted to ask you a few hot seat questions. Uh Oh, okay. (laughs) So what is one truth you wished more people knew about fitness? That is a journey, not a destination. And that we're always working. It's, it's not a checkbox. I love it. I love it. 
What is one thing you wish people knew about injury recovery? That there is no magic bullet. And if anyone's trying or wand, and if someone's trying to sell you one, I would be very wary of that. I tell people that we have a toolkit and we're taking our different tools out and putting them together and it's going to be a process. And, you know, even if you feel great after the first session, just know it's a process. It's right. A, take time. Awesome. If you could give only one general suggestion to people wishing to regain former levels of fitness, what would that be? Hmm. Have a balance of patience and confidence. I think mindset is almost half the battle when you're recovering from something and being able to harness that in your recovery is something that you can do from the beginning to the end. Um, you know, we do a lot of meditation and mindfulness classes for corporate clients. And I, we have parts of meditations on our, our YouTube channel that we share with our patients. And I, I'm really feel like the mental mindset part of it is, is, critical to getting better. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, I agree 100%. If you have one, what is your current mantra? Ooh, I have it in a post-it right here on my... <laughs> I love it. I love it. It's stay in the moment. Stay in the moment. And it's easier said than done. But especially when you're recovering something, your brain is going to the, I'm never going to be able to, I'm not, this is not, you know, you're, you're reliving the injury. And yeah. I, staying in the moment to me means taking a breath and realizing what you can do right now, where you are, that it's not as bad as you think it is, and that you're, you know, you're okay. And you only have to deal with right now. You don't have to think about, you know, three, six months from now. Yeah, yeah, amen to that. Because yeah, <laughs> let me tell you, we start thinking all the loom and gloom stuff, and it's it gets hard. It gets hard. All the loom and gloom, and like the what ifs, and the mm -hmm. and it's not that that stuff isn't going to pop into your head because we can't always control that, but we can control what we do with the little voices in our head, right? Absolutely. We can calm them. We can acknowledge them. We can move on. Beautiful. I love it. What is one body of work, a book, an article study that you've read that shifted your mindset around fitness, movement, and injury recovery? Oh, this is a good question. Well, I think, you know, one of the, the things that has changed me, I don't know if it's a body of work necessarily, but it's working with the athletic trainers and being part of their process has changed a lot of the way I practice because I see what the process is that people have to go through. You know, once I tell them what I think is wrong with them, I understand now the incremental steps they need to take. And I think it makes me a much better physician. And, you know, I've had my own injuries as well, but I can really, I can, I think when people want from their doctor also is they want truth but they want hope. And mm -hmm. I can give people hope when I when I see lots of different ways that people recover. And before working closely with, with the athletic trainers, I really, I kind of just went on, well, you're going out there, I think you'll be fine, you know, but I didn't really, <laughs> I didn't really believe it or know it, you know, and it was sort of the unknown. So maybe that's not a body of work, but I think yeah. it, 
So that, that's beautiful. It's wonderful. I, I was just wondering in terms of like, if somebody could read something that would be mm. uplifting or help them to kind of help them to get back into that moment, help them to rethink how they're seeing their own situation with regard to movement or injury recovery or their own fitness. If, if there was something that somebody could read, what might that be? I would say social media is a, can be a double-edged sword, but one of the things I like about it is that sometimes you can see other people's experiences and they mm-hmm. resonate with you. There's, there's also a physician who had his own journey through back pain and he wrote a book about overcoming back pain and um, do you I know think the- I know the one something up resist. I think I have that. I have it. I think he's he's a bodybuilder. Uh, he was a. Uh, I'm gonna look it up. Weight lift, uh, What do you call it? Power lifter. And so I'll get you the name of the book. Yeah, 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 yeah. But I think that his approach was about helping un- helping people understand pain. Mm-hmm. So and that there's a lot of pain science out there. It doesn't mean that pain is all in your head. And I think sometimes when you talk about that, then people will say, oh, you're just trying to tell me I'm making it all up. Um, right. But that's not that's not it at all. It's about how your how your whole body is interpreting the signals that you're giving and that you really do have a lot of agency over changing that. Um, right. So it's beautiful. No, no I, I would agree as a person who suffers from chronic pain and 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 I probably will the rest of my life just based on some of the injuries I've had and what's gone on. I know that there is absolutely something to be said. Sometimes there is a, a need for pharmaceutical solutions, but a lot of times there, as you said, there's so much more power and control that people have around pain than they think, because a lot of it is around how we're, how we're perceiving what's happening to us and what our brain is doing because our brain was designed to protect us. Mm -hmm. And once we've had traumatic injury that has happened to our body, our brain doesn't want that to happen again. I mean, who wants that to happen again? So it starts sending out protection signals to us that makes us not want to move. And so sometimes it, it is about changing your, the way your brain is functioning so that you can get to a place where you can actually start get experiencing less pain and doing more activity. Now there might be a limit to that, but you'll be at a place further down the road than you were. Mm-hmm. And and I think that there's not a lot of conversation, I think around that in depth, it's usually kind of, I'm in pain. No, you're not. <laughs> As right. opposed to having that conversation, a lot of it, once again, we're back at that gap. There's mm-hmm. a lot going on in that gap that I think just doesn't get addressed in the, in the traditional model. So yeah, so, yeah, I found it. His name is Dr. David Hanscom, and the book is Back in Control. So, oh, awesome, awesome, lovely. Thank you. I'm glad you were able to oh, find that. Oh. So, how can people find you in Avid Sports Medicine? Yeah, well, our website is um, Avid Sports Med or avidsportsmedicine.com. And then we're on Instagram at Avid Sports Medicine. We're also on YouTube as Avid Sports Medicine. Um, Facebook, TikTok, you know, but I would say those are the main places to, and just reach out info at avidsportsmed.com. Those messages come to me and I don't mind personal messages. So if anyone's struggling with anything, you know, just send us a note, book a free consult call. You know, we love to talk to you and, and let you know what we, how we can help you. 
Awesome. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you so much, Dr. Zhao. It has been such a joy talking to you today. And I cannot wait to see what happens in the future. And I hope that we get to talk again. And actually, I'm not far from you. And and maybe I'll be able to get out there into San Francisco one day and join one of those those courses, the classes. Please Please (laughs) join online, you know, (laughs) as soon as my, you know, I'm still I'm still one of those uh, waiting on the doctor because it's, you know, work situation. So there's I'm limited in what I can really do. But once I get my release. (laughs) Yes, we'll be here for you. Thank you for this opportunity. It's been wonderful. Absolutely. It's been beautiful. Wow. Wow. Such a fun conversation. So many gems. I hope this conversation blessed you as much as it blessed me. I want to thank you so much for joining me today and tuning in to another episode of Redefining Fitness with SAS Factor Fitness, a space where you can reconnect with yourself, restore your inner athlete, and fulfill your fitness potential after injury, illness, or other life events had other plans. If this episode resonated with you, please comment, review, and subscribe. I appreciate any and all of your feedback. And until next time, this is Sin with SAS Factor Fitness reminding you to mind your matters.